Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast, here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. We're doing something we haven't done in a couple seasons here on the show. It's an intimate session here in my condo. Intimacy. It's me and Sujit. I'm Lars. We're coming off of the... The uh, infuriating Monday night loss, which is a redundant phrase in Bills Nation, last night to the Seattle Seahawks. We did not have a chance to record immediately following the game. Uh, I was was unable to attend the bar. I was staying at the luxurious Weston in Lombard, Illinois, in advance of our company's all-hands meeting. It was wonderful. Just... For every every one of you that is not from <laughs> the Chicagoland area, Lombard, you know it's kind of like Steve Lombard from Office Space, you know, right? It's Lumberg. like Lumberg, yeah. right? It's yeah. So Lumberg is a little bit like Lombard. Yeah, you know, there's some nice parts to it, but uh, yeah, overall. if you if it's it's basically the Dockers khakis of Chicago suburbs. <laughs> Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, just search Bills and Beers, uh, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already, and if you are a listener and you want to interact on social media, use the hashtag BNBSM, that'll qualify you to be our social media listener of the week. We have another t-shirt to give out this week to last week's winner, uh, so stay tuned for that later on. We have got so much to talk about as it pertains so to, much. to last night's game, and, and we're obviously not at a loud bar we're not coming right off of the conclusion of the game, so we're not as impassioned as we otherwise would have been. But that's not going to detract from the fact that we've got some serious things to go over. Uh, so let's not waste any time, Suge. We've got some good beer tonight. Uh, we're sitting here watching Donald Trump become the next president of the United States. So let's get right into it. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, we spilled. Last night's loss is a kind of loss that we're not used to dealing with in Bills Nation. And I think in large part, Suge, because I think a lot of Bills fans look at Bills losses as how did we lose this game? And I think it's because usually we don't play well when we lose games. So rarely is it the case of how did that other team beat us? But the fact of the matter is, we did play well. We we played a very good game on special teams. Well, some of the coverages were most off. of special most, teams. Most most I mean, we had a block punt that set up a touchdown. That's that's what I was thinking of. Offense was that was the best game Tyrod Taylor has played in a Buffalo Bills uniform. Period. And the defense gave up fifty five yards and three points in the entire second half. They needed a three and out with their backs against the wall. They were burning timeouts in advance of the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter, and they got the Seahawks off the field. My man, Kyle Williams, made a play. Players make plays. He sacked Russell Wilson, got the offensive ball back with the chance to win the game. That was a great game played on both sides of the ball. They made more plays than we did. They were victorious. They're the Seattle Seahawks. The link is notorious notoriously difficult place to play they've won now 11 straight on monday night football all of this is to say that this was this is not the kind of loss where we're just like what the hell there's there's plenty of things to be frustrated by but there's plenty of things to be encouraged by so so let me just say one thing okay and that is that 
you know, it is election day, so I think it's a time <laughs> for just a touch of point counterpoint. <laughs> I think that what you're saying is is all valid and is all very true, and I think that we would we would debate much more civilly than our current candidates would. But to me, it was how many things of this were just like every other Bills games. Uh, so, and the reason for that is one, it was a primetime game and we right. lost. That's one. Two, we lost in ways that are inexplicable. This is what I'm talking about. The, you I, know, no, like, I, see, you're talking about it as if we lost the game and not that the Seahawks beat us. They but beat us. It's, it's, or no, it's, it's, okay, they beat us, but they beat us in ways that don't make any sense. For example, this offense from Seattle that has been putrid as right. scored five passing touchdowns suddenly woke up and became amazing and what's his name that tight end Two-handed. turned into a freaking yes stud. But it's jimmy graham it's not like he's never done that before right but he has why does he suddenly show up now and then the other side of that but is that these two defenses that are supposed to be vaunted got their ass kicked up and down the field including by our offense our offense sucks yeah i hear and, and their defense is awesome i hear and you we ran up and down the field on them it doesn't make any sense so it's that unfathomable it doesn't make any sense why this is not the way that we were supposed to lose but it is and then the last component of it is that we got fucked by officials again yeah and i'm sorry miss day the reason why we're recording right now is because the expletives would have been a lot yeah. worse yes yesterday so we'll and we will get into that at great length i'm gonna make one final counterpoint however <laughs> before we get into the bat you do get MVPs. a rebuttal so yes the stagnant Seattle Seahawks offense suddenly made plays. But in Bill's years past, okay, those one-handed grabs in the end zone would have been Chester Fezziwig, who was just signed from the CFL, and throwing to him would have been third stringer out of, you know, northwestern Montana State, never never taken a snap before in his life, and then proceeded to have three more NFL starts before he drifted into ambiguity. No, this was Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham making plays. The anomaly here is that they were stagnant leading into this game. That that was the exception. Not that they suddenly they, they suddenly found life on primetime in Link. I mean that 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 should have been expected. So I hear what you're saying, but when you really pull back and think of like, well, was this was this really unfathomable or was this was this something that we probably could have seen coming? Yeah, I, I think that we were supposed to lose this game. I mean, everyone expected that we were going to lose this game for all the reasons that I said. It's just that, the you know, yes, the way we lost it was just a bit unexpected because of the... But only based on what was coming up in the previous seven games of the season. Understood. Of the season. But, but yeah. I think if I would have, if we would have done a straw poll of Bills fans, and let's, and let's use this to get into the Bad Blue MVP. If we would have said, hey, Tyrod Taylor's going to throw for 289 <laughs> yards. Hey, uh, we're going to have the ball for 41 minutes. They're going to rush the ball for 33 yards, and we're going to score 25 points and block a punt. And lose. Do you, How many people would have been like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to win that game if that happens? Yeah. I, I would have been the first person to say. I would have been the first person to say there's no way we would lose a game with that stat line because that meant that we were successful at the ground and pound, which we were, which, God, so, Lord. Uh, okay, then I'm going to go first. The bad blue MVP of the game, Anthony Lynn. Not only did he put Tyrod in a place to succeed, Robert Woods had a career day. We can't not mention him. Ten catches for 165 yards. And he had a chance to win the game. Tyrod missed him. But I don't want to dwell on that stuff because it was the best game Tyrod's played in a Bills uniform. And we will talk about that. But Anthony Lynn had that vaunted, granted without Cam Chancellor, 
Seattle Seahawks defense on their heels all night. And in clutch situations coming down the pipe, we were running the ball still. We did not abandon the run. I think it was the second-to-last drive that stalled. Uh, I think we ran like eight out of nine running plays or something. You'd think, you know, day after we'd have opportunity to look this stuff up and actually be good on our facts. Not the case, but we stuck to the run. We we did the things that worked for us, and and Gruden was just gushing about it nonstop. That was actually one of the benefits of not watching at the bars. I actually got to listen to the announcements or the announcers. And Gruden was just beside himself. He's like, "Oh my God, these formations, these these motions, these these routes, these these running plays, these these blocking schemes, like everything." He was just over the moon for. Now, granted, that's what Gruden does, but I thought Anthony Lynn called a hell of a game, and he put us in a position first and goal to win the game in the fourth quarter. But absolutely, we didn't. the the one thing that was unfortunate is. His play call, his running play calls after Eric Wood went out. Oh well. So that was, I mean, and it's tough because this is the play that you've practiced, you know, day in, day out, all week. That's the play that you're going to go to when you're in short yardage situations. And but what do you do? Abandon the, your offense? No, I mean, no, 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 no. I'm, and, and I'm not saying you should do that. Um, on the third and twenty play, we tried to run. It's, it wasn't even off guard. It was off center. You know, and you have this brand new center in, and he just let the guy straight in. And then the only problem is that then we tried that same play after we, you know, got blown up on third and twenty. We tried that same play at the goal line, and so that lost a a, a, a down there. And I just really wish that we would have tried to run off center with the the play that's been working for us, where our guard pulls and the 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 gap is on the opposite um, left side of the you know on the outside shoulder yeah, of the guard get a little more creative yeah just to just to actually move towards the outside because when we have you know jerome felton and charles clay lead blocking we're only on the eight yard line right we averaged five to six yards a carry but it's still the, it's still the number one red zone defense yeah it's true it, it wasn't gonna be easy it's still i mean uh, again they're the Seahawks. They right. beat us. But they should, you know, by that same rationale, we shouldn't be able to close fourth and one on them running up the middle. And right. we did. A couple times. So, you know, and so I, I, I agree. I think he played. I think he called an amazing game. I think that I loved the fact that he actually stuck with the run despite the fact we were down a little bit. We were actually joking at the bar that, uh, or on, on our text messaging uh, thread that, uh, you know, oh, no, we're down by eight. We're suddenly going to abandon the run, and we didn't. Nope. You know, and so that was that was encouraging. There were so many encouraging things during this game. Um, so that gets to my Labatt Blue MVP. Um, and, you know, it's always easy to give it to Shady or easy to give it to Tyrod in this situation. I kind of feel like we should because he did play his best game, but I'm not going to because he still needs to, besides the Tennessee game, he needs to be able to... Four-point deficit. One he and needs to one be able 11. to come back in the fourth quarter. Um, so what, who I'm going to give it to is a person that I think really showed up, um, and that is I'm going to give it to the position of backup running back. Hmm. Jerome Felton and Mike Gillisley. Yeah. Mike Gillisley has done nothing in this league but act like Fred Jackson. Yeah. So he has been this under you know, appreciated, um, you know, underestimated player who, when given the chance to actually perform, is performing really admirably. Is he the same as Shady? Absolutely not. We don't want him but to be. Is, we don't need him to be. Right. But is he a serviceable serviceable NFL running back, at least in this offense? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you're gaining, average, his average gain was higher than Shady's. I think it was closer to six and Shady was closer to five. I mean, it's different when you run fewer plays, but 
The other thing is that this guy scores touchdowns, uh, you know, in, like in the previous games. He's done nothing but proven himself. Right. And so it just, you know, I, I, and then Jerome Felton, man, ever since I gave him my Jenny Cream Ale Bummer of the Week, the guy has just, or ever since he came back to the team, yeah. he's found a new form. Um, whether it was him running in for that fourth and did, one. Did he need a kick in the pants? Uh, maybe. Maybe maybe it was what they were hoping would happen with was Carlos Williams. Was it a wake Williams. up call? I mean, was it a was it a like, hey man, you, uh, thanks but no thanks, and there's the door. And by the way, no other team wants you. So if you want to come back and you want to play good, great. Here's right. And, and now now if he left, people would want him again, just like people wanted him. Yeah. You know when he when, when we he signed came out for too much money for for too much money. But now you know, hey, it's the it's. The NFL is a very humbling place when you're not performing, as Stefan Gilmore will soon learn. Oh, so let's get to our Jenny Cream Ale players of the week. What a seamless transition that was! And how can you look anywhere else but the secondary? And I, I don't know if it's as simple as Aaron Williams going down. I know that that plays some role in it, but I am kind of at my wits' end here because. A lot of the discussion you see is like, well, Rex Ryan shouldn't be running this defense, which is which exposes his cornerbacks. And my question to that has then been, why did you hire Rex Ryan? My question to that, Suge, is okay. Go ahead and name for me the NFL defensive coordinator that runs a defense which doesn't require its cornerbacks to be good, because we're going to talk about this being a a quarterbacks league, and you're going to play against quarterbacks who have weapons like Jimmy Graham and will throw the ball deep to, to Doug Baldwin. Which 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 defensive coordinators out there can get by with the kind of play we've been getting for our cornerbacks? Let alone, I understand that Rex might require a little bit more from them, but they're not even at par. They're they are so bad right now that I, I horrible. It's, it's not about scheme, and I don't care if they've got double, triple, quadruple team. And I and I want to make this point because I've been making it in one way, shape, or form this entire podcast. It is possible to play a great game and still get beat. And I know that it's a, it's a team sport. Most sports are. We're not talking about golf. We're not talking about tennis. We're talking about a team sport. Baseball is a team sport. Football is a team sport. Hockey is a team sport. Basketball is a team sport. In all of these sports, no scheme. Cricket. Cricket is a cricket team sport. is a team sport. No scheme, no strategy, no tactic is foolproof. At some point in the contest, it's going to come down to one on one, and it's going to come down to beating the man who's directly in front of you. And it doesn't matter what's going on anywhere else on the playing surface. At some point, you're going to have to man up and be better than the guy in front of you. The equivalent in baseball is the ground ball comes to you, you have to field it. There's nobody out there that's going to do it for you. You know, you're eventually you're going to have to throw it to first, and he'll. That's what your teammate will do for you. But in that moment, you have to cleanly field the ball and throw it. And in football, you have to guard your man. And I'm sorry that if if you think that Rex Ryan's scheme makes it harder for these guys to do that, I don't buy that for a second because they're not even fundamentally guarding their guys right. And they are just getting beat. This game, the Patriots game that we lost, and the New York Jets game, three three games had one thing in common. Our cornerbacks losing one-on-one matchups with receivers consistently. It's not a scheme thing. That's a player thing. We're getting beat. I, I agree with you. This was talked actually a lot about on the John Murphy show today. 
and I was driving oh into work. I, I don't I don't want to come across as a shill for John Murphy. What's no, I know. I, it's the only thing that's on that damn app, okay? <laughs> it's just the only thing I could listen to in the car. You can get Howard Simon. You can I, get... Was, I was listening. I, so I listened to the damn uh, WGR live broadcast. And all I hear oh, is Oh, don't listen live. Don't that listen damn live. Flow Woman. Yeah, yeah, Selena and Barnes. I will cut you. Dude, that's um, why I can't do it live. I will, I will, I listened to last night's post game show on my drive home from work today so i could avoid listening to the show from the bulldog live okay so i will say so and oh my god can we take a moment to talk about donald jones that's like that is i will say when i'm having my worst day on the podcast that's what donald jones sounds like <laughs> um but I mean, uh, he seems so sweet and so nice and so genuine He's no, I mean, I think he's, but, he's he does oh. have an interesting perspective, but it's like he says what John Murphy says and then says it for twenty minutes, and then <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyways. But whatever, I, I I do still like listening to to Murph. Um, I like that I can call in and actually get through. I did that once. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things they were talking about that Donald Jones was talking about, and I think it actually gives value because it's it was his experience as a receiver, was that they weren't. They weren't bumping at the line. They don't bump at the line. And he says that it's a lack of confidence because even when they are bumping at the line, they're not knocking their 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 player off off mark. They're not knocking the receiver off mark. And what he's saying is that that's their game. That's what they should be doing. And 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 the question is is that do they do they have some I don't know what technique he was saying. He's like so often you saw this a lot actually yesterday during the replays. Um They'd be doing the spin move. They'd be doing this baseball turn where they, you know, would the player, the receiver would have them quickly turning around. And he said, when a DB used to do that to me, that's when I knew I had him beat. Because in the time that he takes to turn around and then refind me, I can make a very slight change in my route that makes him no longer be able to catch me. Right. And so. He said, you know, and even when they were backing off, even when they were playing, you know, 10 yards off, they would still be doing this turning route. So he's like, there's some problem with their technique and it needs to be fixed because it's not the technique technique they used when they were good uh, and it's not working. And so that gets me to the last question of we did lose Donnie Henderson. And mm, you know, I, I knew you were going to bring knew this up. I, was, I, I knew was, you were going to bring this up. Because I've been trying to figure out what the hell is going on. What happened to? Gilmore? I don't understand how Donald Jones can can analyze defensive back technique on players who've been playing these positions now at an elite level for 12, 15 years, going back to high school. But and, Gilmore's... and they and they need a coach to tell them how to do it better. I I I hear what you're saying. I just these aren't high school athletes. They're not college. These guys are professionals. They know how to play this game. They've got Ed Reed back there coaching them. They know what to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes. I'm I'm trying to. If explain Donald why. Jones can identify the problem, Ed Reed can identify the problem. Yeah, but maybe this. I, I don't know. It's, and it's not. I, I agree with you. It's not a problem with scheme. The scheme should work, but it's and some. But something is wrong. Between, I agree. There's a difference between a good scheme and a scheme that plays to your player's strengths. Right. So and it's not that, oh, you can't let DBs have to cover their man. DBs have to be able to cover their man. They have to be able to do their job. It needs to be players making plays. I agree with you. But maybe the way that they cover needs to be a little different. Don't give them a big cushion. You know, get them, bounce them up off the line. Richard Sherman isn't always giving a huge cushion. Right. Hell, we saw that on the last play of the game. Where we don't have our player, a player but. on our defense that has Richard Sherman's attitude. I was thinking about this today. Yep. The closest yep. the closest thing we have is Jerry Hughes and. 
Uh, Which I don't understand what can we take a moment to say why Jerry Hughes did not go ape shit and kill somebody kill Richard Sherman. It's because they don't play at the same time. That's the problem. Yeah, it is. Because oh lord, I well, want someone it's, it's, to take off their helmet ne- neither and take the, out his neither does Stephon Gilmore, but that didn't stop him from exchanging jerseys with the guy. Oh, and that was. But, but no, the, see now to, you're bringing up shit to, on the John Murphy I, show. Yeah, to the point though, we don't have a guy who plays like Richard Sherman, and if it's a confidence thing, and they are tentative in their coverage, I, that's an attitude thing. And and I'm sorry, you can rail on Rex Ryan for a lot of things. The things that I think Rex is weak at as a coach, I've been saying since we recorded the podcast three or four days after we hired him as a coach. Nothing has changed. If you don't know what that was, go back and listen to it. But nothing has changed my opinion about the things that he does poorly as a coach. One thing, however, he does not do poorly as a, as a coach Get is, him fired up. is inject swagger into his players. So what's going on? What's up? I mean, all you have to see is two pairs of dreadlocks and uh, a kind of dead, chill attitude. Like, it's always good for a cornerback to be able to... That sounded really racist. Yeah, I don't know what you're going yeah. with that. I, I know well, what no, the dreadlocks Well, no, because Richard Sherman has dreadlocks, too. Yeah. No, I, I was actually kind of thinking of, like, the Rastafarian, I smoke weed and I'm chill, that type of thing. So, anyways, I didn't mean that that way, but what I mean is that... Both those guys are these soft-spoken, quiet guys that yep. talk like this. And, Darby and Gilmore and, both. Know, that's what you know. You know, I, you just got to look at the tape, and I think I'm, I'm I'm valuable in the way. I want someone to be like Richard Sherman says. Hey, I, I was going to make a play on the ball. I, you know, yeah, I took. I, you know, I went for the ball. No, no, I, I didn't. Need his, I didn't go for his leg. Of course, I didn't. I went for the ball. You know, he's full of shit. Yeah. You know, damn, I keep swearing. Um, it's all right, but you know, you know, he's full of it. But, um, but. He's doing it, you know, and he's got that swagger. And and you know what? He's it's a lot easier for him to get paid, even if he is no better than Stefan Gilmore in the previous years. He will get paid because he tells everybody how good he is. Yeah. And you know what? It, I know that there's a you know, you don't want to have this self-boasting player all the time, but maybe every once in a while, that's what's worth it. You know, and you need a Jerry Hughes of the team because your co your, your other players, your teammates Need to be able to see you get fired up. We and I, get I, I don't. It, it, the only player we had in our secondary who plays like that is Aaron Williams, and I think we did miss him. We, we will miss him. We're going like it's. And frankly, Leotis. Leotis used to get fired. I up. used to love Leotis, and Nakel Roby still does. But I agree. But he's also. But he's not that smaller person. than Bill. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, it's it's an it's a mystery. What the hell is going on with those two guys? I don't know, Stefan Gilmore, if this is a protest season on his part, but when has a guy in a heated contract battle who's asking for top five money ever come out and been this flat in a contract season? And the Bills have him by the small ones, too. They can f- slap the franchise tag on him. They, I mean... But why would they? Why would you want him on the team? I mean, the, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying they will, and I'm certainly not saying they should. Um but it's it makes no sense for the two of them to be performing as poorly as they are. And and Darby got burned in a very visible way down the field by Baldwin. Uh, Rex benched him, said he was too sick to perform. I don't know if that was true, but that's what, again I love that about Rex. He's he, he even when he benches a guy when he's clearly being outperformed, he he finds a way to he make makes an excuse, excuse for him because yeah. he's a player's coach, right? Um and but then and I'm sure we'll hear it from Jam and Jeff Day here in a moment. Gilmore getting leapt over by I mean, Jimmy Graham. 
I mean, a freaking tight end jumping over you. We are now calling his shots. We Jeff has been up and down social media all over this podcast talking about how Gilmore is the worst tackler in the NFL, and then he pulls that shit on Monday Night Football. And if there was any doubt, well, the entire world got to see it last night. Yeah, because he doesn't try and tackle. He doesn't. He doesn't drive through a tackle. He doesn't. He just he tries to be an with his shoulder. Yeah, he tries to go after the legs. And the, remember, we actually talked about this. I said, "Are you think you're going to be able to tackle Gronk that way?" Well, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham is as close to the thing to, as Gronk as we've played this year. He leapt over him. Yeah, it's 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 completely ridiculous. So, uh, speaking of successful tight ends like Jimmy Graham, we don't have one. So my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week <laughs> so is we going take, to we're taking that long to get to that point. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess we is were, going yeah. to Charles Clay. Yeah, in a game where Robert Woods was able to muster 165 yards and Tyrod Taylor had his best game. Where was Charles Clay? Where was he? When we watched Jimmy Graham, who was has been available to us when we were actually looking, and we said no, 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 he's his best days are behind him. We had this guy that was supposed to be a stud. We paid a lot of money to. And I said it before about Jerome Felton, that he was not worth the money. He should go. And you brought this up last week. He's just not panned out to be with the Charles player. Clay. With Charles Clay. He's not panned out to be the player. You know what? When you are a tight end, especially in this offense, yes, you're, you're, you have to block. You know, you, you have to make... Shady look good because you have to open up running lanes. Which he does do a good job of. He does do a good job of, but... So does Nick O'Leary. Right, so does Nick O'Leary and costs a fraction of the money. Right. And, and, but, and, but that's and not saves why he was, tremendously on receiver's gloves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But And plus we can get like probably great golfing right. opportunities, yeah, right? Tips. So, um, so, but I mean, it's just, where is it? Where is it? I mean, I remember one pass over the middle from Tyrod that was a crazy touchdown. Did he touchdown. even get targeted last night? He, I think he, did he have like three yards or something? It was something ridiculous. It was, it was some obscenely low. Jeff tweeted it out after the game it was when like I was a, too depressed. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing there. There's there's zero there. And, and maybe they said, okay, we're going to take away Jimmy Graham. Every time the Bills have said, okay, we're going to take away this player, they at least make a couple catches. They make a couple good plays. And you say, wow, we limited him to 30 yards. That was a great job by our offense or right. by our defense. He did nothing. He did nothing. I mean, he blocked, but, you know, come on, just get another Jerome Felton or get, get, get another play like that if all you want him to do is block. We needed him to be another outlet. You know where we really would have needed him at first and goal? With one minute left in the game at the eight-yard line. You know, that's a great that point. That is where a large receiver, tight end, and, and, and you know should they're, be they're, the person. They're going to stack the box, and they're going to play that short zone. Great. Put our big dude out there. Tell him to post up six yards. Put it right in his waist. And yeah, just why ha- can't he jump just, higher than Richard Sherman? No, don't even, no, no put, it, put it literally at his waist. So he's, he, he goes out, turns around, posts up. Posts up a player, catches it, and then just tries to back in as far as he can. Great. You get six, seven, eight yards. Now it's second, two, or three, and we're still moving the ball. I mean, th- right. that, that play on first down, and it works to him. I am not I am not disagreeing with you, Suge. I, I don't think that this is on Charles Clay, though. No, not the loss, but I'm just saying the lack of productivity. No, I mean- no, no, no. Either thing, to be honest. I, I, th- on this podcast, we are not very critical of Doug Whaley. Um, and for good reason, because he's been a good GM. 
However, yeah, I, I know exactly where you're going, and I think this I this is this has been the worst. His worst move is our GM, the, uh, forking over the money that he did for Charles Clay. Now, granted, he uh, he did restructure this year, but it's this I I credit the failure of Charles Clay to Doug Whaley because clearly we we're not running an offense set up for him. I mean, if if he's just here to block, we're paying way too much money to have a blocking tight end. I don't know if Greg Roman had be- bigger, better plans for him. I mean, I think he was supposed to be a dual threat. And but the- we, we don't have a quarterback can find him. We don't have an offense that sets it up. Uh, something's There's a disconnect between what's happening on the field and what he was brought in to do. And so between... I also think he just... He wasn't that great in Miami. He was good. But he wasn't a He stud. is good. Though. Like When you get him in open space... Is as a tight end with the ball in his hands, he's one of the shiftier, faster. But he goes down really easily. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you know, I, I like there's not. That. It's not. It's not like when Gronk has the ball. Okay, let's not compare everyone to Gronk. Let's just right. like we don't <laughs> compare everyone to Tom Brady. But but still, when when um, who's the guy that's on the Bears? You know, uh, or the guy that was on the Bears, the tight Greg end, Olson? On the, uh, now on the on the Patriots. You know, so yeah, exactly. So Panthers, Greg Olson. Um and um, Martellus Bennett, you know oh, these players. Yeah, okay, yeah. When when they get hit, they don't go down right away. A little DB yeah. like Stephon Gilmore when he tries to tackle them either gets left over if you're Stephon Gilmore or gets knocked to the ground and they get another six seven yards. Charles Clay goes down very easily. He does not play like the size that he is. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's disappointing to me is that. You know, I remember that Miami game where he did catch the ball on the on the left sideline. That's all I remember. And he made a couple moves yeah. and he made his way to the end zone. That was like the era of Carlos Williams doing that on a regular basis. Right. And th- this was like this awesome offense that was starting to p- come together and that you can't tackle, we us, tackle us in the open field. Haven't seen it since. Nope. Um, and that was what week four last year. Week right. three. Right. I think and I just don't. Un- I, I just don't get. You know, so even when he's had the opportunity to do the thing that he's special for. He just he hasn't done it this year. I don't disagree. So, quick summation here of last night's game, and I imagine uh, via our call-ins here, we'll we'll get to the officiating that we can't overlook. Um, this game to me came down to three plays. Suge, um, Jimmy Graham's one-handed catch in the end zone, number two, his one-handed catch in the end zone, number N- number, number one, number one, and uh, Russell Wilson's uh, stepping on my offensive lineman's foot. Chuck and duck for 50 yards down the middle of the field to Doug Baldwin. When I'm talking about a team beating ours, that's all I'm talking about. It takes two to five plays in an NFL game. That's the difference between a win or a loss. And those are the the plays where their players beat ours. I almost, and I, I, I put this on our, our text line. I'm, I'm not kidding. I almost threw my damn shoulder out of, out of the socket. I was pumping my fist so hard last night when Kyle Williams got that sack on Russell Wilson on third down to force him to punt and to give us one last chance to score in the fourth quarter. We got I mean when we had to we, we ran that draw play and, and I actually am okay with that play call but we, I am cuz we've had success. But but we punted it away. I was like, well, <sighs> well we need a three and out and then we stopped them on first down. We called a timeout and I was like, "Whoa, okay, we're putting the game on the next two plays." Stopped him again. Timeout. Okay. Well, this is it. This is the game right here. Uh, first down, and this game is over. And boy, we're on the road, and we've seen this a million times before. Third down. Kyle Williams comes flying up the middle, grabs Russell Wilson by the ankle, and brings from him from his back. 
on his back. Play, players make plays, and to see my boy Kyle Williams come through and make that play, I was so excited and on my feet all by myself at the West End Lombard, <laughs> just going crazy. Um, but unfortunately, their players made more plays than ours did last night, and that was the difference. Bills- That's what it comes down to. We 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 had we had what we needed. Yeah, you we- know, you guys like everyone's going to complain about officials up and down the field, but all that would have done was given us an opportunity to go in that overtime. So what? So you could get if the best case scenario in overtime is you have the ball at the eight yard line, yeah. first and goal with a full minute left. Or first thing, and, and and what do you do? We had that. We had that before the end of the game, and we didn't do anything with it. So, um, And let me ask you this, too. So if we make that field goal to end the first half, do we go for two in the fourth quarter? Do we make it a three-point three game? And if we do go for two, it's a little more high stakes. Do we get it as easily as we did? I mean, we just barely got it as it was. Yeah. No, I mean. So there's we, a lot of like these hypotheticals, yeah, it's, you know, I, it's just more Bills fans th- being pissed off. That's, that they that's get why shit I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, the, fir- the end of the first half was ridiculous. Uh, but to, to, to say that, like, well, it would have been a three point game. Mm, mm, yeah, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I will say that when we when we were going into the half, I said to Cassie, this should be within a touchdown. Yeah, it this game been. should it be within a touchdown. Game. It should be an eight point game. And you know, and she said, "Yeah." And the next time we score, we should we should go for two, you know. And so, I mean, I I think that it was definitely in people's minds, but whatever. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you don't know the way they're going to play and all that other stuff. But it doesn't matter. It's you know, it's kind of, it's principalities. There's there's principles involved here, and and I and guess it seems I, like we're always on the wrong end. Of the we principles. always are, but you know, it's, so does every other team that goes into the link on prime time and has to face Richard Sherman, who apparently uh, it's legal to to do a shoulder shoulder block into a defenseless receiver. Yeah, I, God, I really wish that Jerry Hughes could do the same thing to Tom Brady in, in a shotgun where he could just come off sides and, oh, you know, I wasn't sure if, if what they didn't call the whistle, and so I planted him into the fucking ground. So here's here's the thing about that play. And, and again, maybe you can do a legal contact so you can put your hands on the guy. You can't blow him up. Sal Capaccio was apoplectic. On the radio today, saying like he said, apoplectic. That's like right. you look it up, motherfucker. You can't just. There is no play in football that allows you to just lower the boom on a guy who's not looking. That's what Richard Sherman did five feet from the referee, by the way. Yeah, and it's not a matter of I was going for the ball. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the last play. I'm talking about his hit. Oh, I'm talking about his yeah. play on or okay. his hit on Walt Powell. No, the, I don't even want to talk about the first half. Debacle has already been analyzed to death. Yes. So the the Walt Powell thing, the only thing that I've seen is that it's because Tyrod was outside the pocket and therefore he becomes a running quarterback and you can block people. No, I don't understand no. the rule. So explain no, it to me better. The rule is that illegal contact no longer applies. So uh. you can like put your hands on a guy. You can check him a little bit. You can hand check him. You can kind of keep him in place. You can't just lower the boom on a guy who's not looking. That's a illegal hit on a defenseless receiver by the book. It doesn't matter if the guys. And by the way, but why wasn't he looking? Because I he's because he's, he's, he's right looking back of... at the quarterback who's twenty five yards on the other side of the field. He's not looking at the defender. And by the way, and 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 Richard Sherman says well, he's out of the tackle box. How would you know you were face guarding him? 
You weren't looking at the quarterback. And it was so loud in there. It's not like you guys have a call for as soon as he's out of the tackle box, you know, because you had to time that up perfectly like you did. It's all horse shit. Richard Sherman's a piece no, of shit. He's a punk. Yep. He plays like a yep. punk. He acts like a punk. He talks like a punk. He is a punk. But my question on that Enjoy is... Enjoy your traumatic brain injury, you piece of garbage. So take that to a logical extreme. Okay, great. Yes, I went there. So every time a team runs the Wildcat, and people have said this, and I and I don't disagree, and I and I wonder why. Why do teams not... Okay, you're going to run the Wildcat. Great, we're going to play this one 10 on 10, and we're going to take a free shot at your at your quarterback who's now lined up as a wide receiver. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't know why teams don't do that. It's what. It's why Donald Jones says there is major inconsistencies in the rule book. It's well, not, that's it's, that's that's at the basis of all of this, and that's right. I completely agree. So it's just, it's a disaster, and it's amazing. It's not a matter of it. You know, the Patriots who figured out a nuance in the rule book. It's just that they find some way. It's it's like this retroactive. We screwed up this call, and. Oh, uh, well, let's see. Let me figure out a way in the rule book that I can justify this bad call. And when they find some nuance, they say, oh, oh, this is the problem. This is the reason why it's not a, a penalty. When by every freaking, every freaking example of, of neighborhood football. Sense, just yeah, common I mean, the way that dictates. we played football growing up, the way that we played football in the yard, the way that everybody said... Nobody would have ever questioned if that was pass interference, illegal contact, whatever. That's not the way the game's supposed to and be. This you can't change the way the fundamentals of the way the game is supposed to be. This insistence from Richard Sherman that people have glommed onto that, well, I was just going for the ball. Yeah, moron, you were off sides by five yards. You had you had obtained an advantage to get to the ball. I'm talking now again about yeah. the because you you were did something illegal. So this the, the, the fact that this is even a talking point or a, a point of contention or an argument to say that like, oh, he was just going for the ball. No, no. You lost the right to go for the ball when you did something illegal. If it was a quarterback standing there and you just ran right at him and just grabbed his arm and threw him, like you'd be ejected from the game. You'd be fine. People would be like, what are you thinking? You can't do that. Yeah, I, it's that, and this is the ridiculous bull s it's common that, sense that is it's that bull. is you know espn and the espn announcers that in the post-game conference those idiots are sitting there on the field and like, oh it's actually kind of a smart play by him because you know what did he have to lose i'm like I, I, what are we doing here yeah what i mean what or is this a sport yeah. Because that's why I was so mad that I was asking one of our scrub players to take off his helmet and take out his effing knees. Yeah. Because if that's the way we're playing the game, it's no holds barred. Let's yeah. just take then, people out. Then, Let's target the way that we probably should have targeted Richard Sherman yesterday. Right. And, and like just as the Bills used to reserve a roster spot for Jordan Gay on a kickoff specials, great. Let's sign a scrub off the streets every week to be our enforcer. And when that guy's on the field, watch out because he's coming for somebody's knee. And great, eject him. Okay, fine. Eject him. Kick him out of the league yeah, and let the Bills him. pay him a million dollars. Yeah. And he will be a hero in yeah. Bills Nation. Is that is that the league we want? Because there's spirit of the law and there's letter of the law. Right. Let's stop enforcing the latter at the expense of the former. That's Absolutely. a good that's a good place to stop right there because there's nothing else to say on the matter that hasn't already been said. And there's nobody listening to this podcast right now who disagrees with us. It's so lonely when there's only two glasses. (laughs) 
Well, that Whoa. sound means one and it's only one thing. thing. It's time for Tacos Calientes from our man Jim and Jeff Day down in Austin, Texas. It's Tacos Caliente. Arriba! Tacos Calientes. I want some taquitos. Of course, is Tex-Mex for hot takes. And it's brought to you by Pocky Chips, which offers the hottest chip on the market. Take the one chip challenge today with the Carolina Reaper chip. Uh, Bill and I did it a couple weeks ago. It's terrible. Uh, but our uh, Tacos Calientes for the week, Jam and Jeff Day, take it away. Uh, fellas, uh, nice talking to you. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Tuesday evening here, so we've had about t- close to 24 hours to fully digest yes. the uh, the typical primetime stomach-punching loss that we've all become accustomed to here over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for the listeners, the Pocky One Chip Challenge was a limited edition, officially sold out. Wow! So you'll have to wait till congrats, you'll have to man. Wait till next year. That's um, great, for dude. The next One Chip Challenge, but um, good for you. But anyway, in terms of uh, you know, in terms of tacos calientes for today, you know, I think um, you know again a little bit of just a. You know, I'm going to get into my into my tacos calientes in a second, but just uh, you know, just another sad day for for Bills Nation, really. Um, and you know, I think if this was if this was a loss in week, if this was yeah, and for yeah, and for America as we sit here at 10:30 night, um, yeah. <laughs> if if this was a loss in week one or two, you know, I actually think we would look at this game and say, oh, okay, you know, like hey, we lost, but you know, close game against a, against a good opponent. But I think you know, just it, it was in a position in the it was a play, it was in it was at a time in the season in which we desperately needed the victory. Yeah. Um, you know, for playoff chances, and so we we are we sort of looked at the game and approached the game in a very different manner, um, you know, than we would have if it was early in the season. So, you know, that was just you know that's sort of disappointing. Um, you know, at this point, I'm sure you guys have sort of covered off on all of the uh, on all of the you know sort of the the. The, the, the negatives is including some positives as well. And, you know, the refs and the, the play of our defensive backs and it's sort of, you know, how they go, we go as a team. Yep. Um, but I thought my, for my tacos calientes today, I thought I would, it's, you know, it's been 24 hours. If you'd called me last night at 1230, I, I can only imagine what I would have said. Um, but, uh, but I thought, Hey, I've had, I've had a little bit of time to judge this. I'm going to spend a little bit on the positive side. And so my tacos calientes is this. I think that Shaq Lawson is going to be an excellent player for us for a long time. Yes. You know, and I think, I mean, the guys played very few snaps. We're based, I'm basing it off of very limited uh, base size. But sometimes, you know, you just see a guy and, and usually fairly quickly, it sort of passes the eye test. Of does, he, does he have something? Does he not? And seeing Shaq Lawson out there for now two and a half games in a limited capacity, he seems to have, you know, with a, as let's remind ourselves, has not has been had what ten NFL practices in his entire career. Yeah, and Jeff, um, I I, I want to. I've been touching on it a couple times tonight. I was watching the game alone by myself at the Westin Lombard last night in an executive suite. By the way, I haven't added that. I was in an executive suite, which is quite. It nice. doesn't make it better. But Jeff, I was I was watching it by myself in a hotel. Oh, look at Rudy Giuliani. The microphone in his face. Um, I was watching it by myself, and when he had that sack last night, when Shaq Lawson got that sack, I said like aloud. Oh, whoa, wow. I mean, he 
he came off the edge and like barreled through players like they weren't even there. And I, I like I, I had no choice but to give it an audible response because I was like, Jesus Christ, that guy coming through the middle. Yeah, he's he's really big. he's a big dude. Actually, he's big, but he's not like fat big. He's no. like like um, so he's Javon curse big. He's my know? height, but like get, like with like 50 pounds more. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's not even Javon Curse because he's not just lean. He's got some. He's some, a big some boy. Inertia to him too. It's just. Yeah, he but he can move. He can move. And yeah, when he, when he got really that sack exciting. last night, I was like, "Wow, looking forward to more of that." Okay. Yeah, and I think you need a player like that. Rex Ryan has always had a drafted player that was amazing at pass rush, whether or or somewhere amazing on the on on the defensive just a line, wrecking ball, and that allowed him to just rush three. Yep. He's going to be a good player, you know, and, it's, and I also I, I like the way he carries himself. He's got a little bit of swagger, you know, like I could tell. And he's, you know, the way he's he like, you know, the way he celebrates these these sacks and whatnot. And, I, you know, I still think, you know, the, I love having that on the defensive side of the ball in particular. Um, I mean, the Bills pass rush this year has been imp- very impressive. Number one in the I NFL mean, the, in sacks, baby. And, and, and we're actually have... blitzing less frequently than we did last year. That's what I was just gonna say. I mean, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'd have to go back and watch the game to recall. I honestly don't know if we blitzed in that game last night. Oh no, no, we, we definitely could, we could, did. We definitely did. I mean, uh, well, it we, depends. We what, it depends what formation you're playing. Right? And they also had a weakened offensive line. We did know that. Yeah, we did. I mean, yeah. like we were. It was I, when we got pressure. I felt like when we got pressure, we had a four man rush, which is why I was livid well when we sent a three-man rush uh on their last third down play not not their last third down play the second hate the three-man rush hate the three-man hate rush. the three-man yeah. rush uh but this was a argument that lars and i had last well like night. i'm sorry but like your your cornerbacks can't cover when you rush three they can't cover when you rush seven so like wh- well right what but when you, to do? they can't cover either way yeah. but when you rush seven you actually the, the the quarterback screws up or the quarterback has to run and he can't and he doesn't complete the pass so we still we did promise that we would look this up, and I guess it's my fault for not looking it up. But yeah. I wanted to see the completion percentage with three, four, and five rushers being sent in. So if someone has that for me, please post it on social media. Hashtag, Hashtag BNB, BNBSM, please. It's just been one of the weirdest seasons, like in terms of expectations versus reality, as we think about what you know last season to this season. You know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, last season it was like the linebackers couldn't make a tackle to save their life. You know, and 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 we needed safety help. This year, it's like we got we feel very good about our linebackers, generally speaking. But now it's our defensive backs, which we thought was going to be the strength of our team, is becoming that is sort of showing itself to be the weakness. And it's just it's a very odd season. We've now given up thirty plus points three games in a row. But our offense, like to some somehow, even though we've lost the games, the offense is actually still scoring a lot of points. And like this, I mean, it's just so counterintuitive to how this team was being built. Yeah. Right? And, and the one the, excuse, like, the one excuse we always used to make was like, oh, the defense is on the field all game. No, you assholes. We had 41 <laughs> minutes of time of possession. Well, first off, I'm the asshole that makes that argument. And I and no, I, I'm I am I'm and I'm right there. The asshole with you. But so. I, I have I made it about Miami. I said it did not apply to the Patriots and it certainly didn't apply last night. What did, however, apply is they just had players making plays. I thought the most amazing statistic, and I know I mentioned it to you guys last night, and I'm still having trouble getting over it, is the Bills gave up 10 rushing yards to Seahawks running backs. Yeah. 10. 10 rushing yards to Seahawks running backs, and we gave up 31 points. Like, it is, it is, it is, it's all, you know, I mean, it's just 
hard to believe. You know, and the other stat that I thought was was telling was, you know, Russell Wilson was 20 of 26 for 282, right? So he had six incompletions. And again, you know, my, my eyes would suggest, and I've gone back and watched the tape, but I think at least four of those incompletions were balls that he intentionally threw out of bounds because the, because of the pressure coming from the D-line. Yep. And so what I'm saying there is, you know. When there was more than a three-man rush. You know, yeah, six incompletions, <laughs> six incompletions, four of which were purposely thrown out of bounds at least, which means that only twice the entire game when he actually threw to a receiver on the field was it not completed. Yeah, and that's – what else do you need yeah. to know about our defensive backs? Well, it's right. also what else I mean, do you need to know about Russell Wilson? When he's on, also, he's like also he's true. an obscenely yeah. accurate And he was. QB. He was good last right. night. Jeff, are you I mean, drinking it, anything it, while you're watching these returns tonight? I think I think um, Suge, it sounds like you mentioned it earlier with with your remark on uh, Charles Clay. But I mean, you, when you look at the juxtaposition between the two tight ends, you yep. know, Charles Clay three catches, nine yards. Jimmy Graham, whatever he had, eight catches, 120 yards, two one-handed TDs. I Je- mean, Jeff, what are you <sighs> drinking tonight? Are you watching? Yeah, we're watching. We're watching the results. Not drinking anything. I actually don't feel very much in a drinking mood. Watching Why not? These results. So. Um, you know, it's not, uh, yeah, exactly. Why not? So just watching Rex this one is in a more so happy somber right tone. Now. Who is Rex? Why Rex? Yeah. Cause Rex is a big, he's, he's, he's got his boy. Oh, cause Trump's about to win. Yeah. 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 Well, we so, got, hey. we got plenty of drinking to look forward to this weekend, Jeff. Yes. It's uh it is my bachelor party weekend in Nashville, Tennessee this weekend. So I will be with Lars. Oh, Jeff, well I'm, uh, Jeff, I'm going to come to your wedding. Okay, just just so you know, I'm just gonna show up. Come on, okay? come on down, come on down to Austin. Come on down, New Year's Eve. Jeff, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. Uh, if you haven't so uh, sold out of uh, Carolina Reaper chips, and and that's the kind of what we've been referring to as it, as it correlates to the the tacos calientes from Jam and Jeff Day in Austin, Texas. But uh, let me be the first to say that Pocky has a delicious offering of of chips, and if you haven't checked out any of them. I encourage you to check out at least one of them because they're all good. I would like to say if this is not a great audition for us to develop sponsorships. <laughs> I mean, we have we we commit we were all in on this. Yeah, Jeff, okay? still, still waiting we on that ate check. We the goddamn it's Oh, well, you guys, you yeah, did. You, we, I did not. We white man. It was my birthday. Okay. I was not <laughs> I'm going bringing to, one for you. I was not going I'm out like to bring that. one for you. Next when we when we win some obscene game and I can't see straight because of all the Labat blue, that's the time. <laughs> we'll give that's one to time. Jen too. And then I'm gonna have we'll give one to Jen and I'm gonna have one of those little ice cream cookie cakes. Yeah, we have one of those on your yeah, birthday. It was delicious. delicious. <laughs> all right, Jeff, we'll send our best to Teresa. We'll see you this weekend and go Bills. Go America. All right, go Bills. <laughs> At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. What kind of Bills fan who's trying to exemplify? You are right now exemplifying the state of the Buffalo Bills, Mr. Bill Belcher. Today's Bills, Bills, Bills comes from Buffalo Bill Belcher's voicemail. He didn't even answer the phone. The state He's of like, the- we didn't answer the phone last night. The state of the Bills franchise, unavailable. Unavailable on first and goal from the eight-yard line. And what'd you do? We were calling. We were knocking. You didn't pick up the phone. Didn't answer. There thanks. you go. Thanks, Bill. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode here, which means it's time for the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card, baby. 
And this is Bills and Beards. We talk about the Buffalo Bills, but we do so drinking beer. And we had uh, an assortment of things tonight that's been quite delicious. Suge brought over two, what did you call them? What did you call these? I call them bombers. Bombers, the 22 okay. ounces? Bombers, yeah. growlers, pounders. You know, there's, there's a lot of names out there. Bombers is a good name for it. Uh, and we split the Lagunitas Hop Stupid. Uh, which I've had before. It's one of the few bombers that the place around the corner from me sells. And I actually think we have the other one you brought, too, which I haven't dipped into yet. I'm going to have a little bit. Uh, hop stupid's It's always good. It's delicious. Just about everything from Lagunitas is great. And there is a spectacular Lagunitas uh, factory brewery here yes. now in Chicago. Have you done the tour? Have we it's talked great. about this? It's great. I haven't done yeah. the tour, but I went there, and I took a picture of literally like like half a football field of Lagunitas IPA just mm. sitting there in kegs. Each of the kegs in my picture looked like a little can. Yeah. Like it was just it was just unbelievable, but it's a great spot, good food, uh great space. Um you know just interesting. Not a great like, neighborhood. Not a great neighborhood. Go, uh, dra- go during the day. Pull go up during the, the Chicago day. Tribune homicide yeah, map, and day. you'll find that there's yeah, quite go, a few of them in the vicinity. Go. It's a great place to brew beer. I mean, um, and for the, for all the listeners not outside, or, or for all the listeners outside of Chicago, let me just say that I know that you think that the entire city of Chicago is one giant homicide case, but in fact, here in our and city, apparently you voted. Yeah, uh, here in our city. Uh, homicides are very, very concentrated onto like maybe four, five, six different areas, and this uh, this brewery happens to be kind of close to one. And we were drinking something else from this brewery tonight, the little something, uh, which is a little more of a standard for them. And uh, I bought this as part of my Weston Lombard adventure last night at the Target next door to the hotel, a six pack for eight forty seven. Yeah, and you know, Lagos Lagunitas is a little something. It's a it's a nice break. So you know, you're, you got your. Um, the nice thing about Lagunitas is that they actually tell you the IBU values. And for those of you it's that like don't know what an IBU is, it's a bitterness. It's yeah. international bitter units. International something. Um, so Lagunitas Hop Stupid is this crazy hoppy ale uh, that is a hundred and two IBU. While the Lagunitas Little Something Ale is 64. Wow. Uh, IBU. So it just it gives you a sense of what these beers are like. Uh, little Something's a little bit of an easier drinking bit beer. Uh, Hop Stupid is more something that's going to slap you in the mouth, slap you on the you tongue. Know, it's it's funny 8% versus uh, 7.5% with yeah. a little something. Uh, but yeah, a uh, little something's a little bit easier drinking, which might be trouble at 7.5%. Yeah. The, but yeah, both solid, solid beers. But the other thing that we we're drinking, you know. Well, let me just interject real quick because I did notice going from the Hop Stupid to a little something that it was oddly smooth. In yeah. comparison, and a little something seven and a half. I mean, it's got a bite to it. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, one of those things. So we were actually going to record at another place earlier today. We were going to record at a place in Chicago known as Bitter Pops. Bitter Pops is on Lincoln Avenue, west side of Lincoln Avenue, just south of the intersection of Racine, Lincoln, and Diversity. Roscoe. Um. Yes, Roscoe. Mm-hmm. Are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I spent a lot of money there. Uh, so it's a great tasting room for various beers. The owners are great. And the nice thing about them is they also have this obscene selection of beer that you can buy by the six-pack or bomber. Uh, and like this, just like, I mean, every beer you've ever wanted, you know, and, and, and just more than that, beers that you didn't know about that you're learning about, you yeah, know, and nice. they send you an email 
They they sent me an email today that at five o'clock tomorrow they're gonna have Main Brewery's IPA, which is an exceedingly rare uh, beer to get. Uh, so you know, great place to check out. We were gonna record from there. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from them. We will um, at some point. We will at some point because we also have a couple midweek call-ins we want to do. This is obviously a, an unconventional recording schedule for us, being on a Tuesday night. Right. Uh, but the other beer we had today was a little bit of a stone brewery. Uh, the is you know appropriate if if we if and it looks like it might not be an if but when we elect President Trump we are drinking the arrogant bastard ale with a giant <laughs> oh. devil on the front wow. uh, you know what look you might like them you might love them um, you might my, hate them my job is to to say what's good and what's bad and this is a damn good beer. Uh, there's a picture of the devil on the front, but it's a strong looking devil, and he's got a beer in his hand. And he doesn't want; he's not going to let anybody take our goddamn American jobs. All right, so, so whatever whatever your political leanings are, uh, which we are all very varied actually here on this podcast, intolerant, uh, and yeah, we're all very very tolerant. So all in all disclosure, um, I voted for my mom today. I wrote in my mom, Don Weborg. So, you know, it, yeah. like, it, like, I, you, you can judge us all you want, but you can't really judge me on who I voted for because I, I didn't vote for your candidate or, also the, one, or the one you hate. You're an American. So um, I voted for Hillary and I'm almost certain that uh, Cassie voted for Trump. Uh, so Bill I think that and Bill did not vote. So God damn it, Bill, <laughs> Bill doesn't you, Bill? he doesn't vote. He doesn't vote and he doesn't recycle because he doesn't believe that either is making an impact. Okay, well, so there you go. Yep, it's so awesome. We had some nice arrogant bastard ale. It's a little bit more chocolatey and delicious. Uh, but uh, anyway, so a lot of good beers. But you know, we had a really interesting. Hold on, we th- uh, this in a similar vein. We got one oh. thing we got to get to. Oh, our social media our listen- social media listener. Yeah. Uh, and this is actually relevant, and it's a. I'm gonna put our social media listener of the week in a very precarious situation, because I don't know how this guy found us, but he's been on us for a while now. He's been using the hashtag and love it. Um, he and he's been one of the guys I've been interacting with during the games. His Twitter handle is El Super. He is the super Mexican. He, uh, his bio is talking about how he is a Mexican conservative tea partier. And he's a blogger, conservative blogger. It's hard, however, to determine whether or not this is all an act or if this is who he is. Because he is, through his internet history, as I said, if you're going to be our social media listener of the week, I will come find you. And stalk you. Can't find this guy. Uh, And there are actually blogs about this guy on the internet because nobody can figure out his true identity. He is the enigma. He's got 52,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, He's got quite a little bit of an audience. He is our social media listener of the week. And so um, El Super... If you're out there, you send us your address. You gotta send us your name and address <laughs> if you want that shirt, bro. So, uh, like I said, putting you in a precarious situation. But if you want that Bills Baggers of Chicago T-shirt, we gotta know who you are and where to find you. 
Okay, Suge, sorry to why, cut you off Why there. do we like him? What's his he's, deal? He's been uh, really interacting with us on Twitter, and it's clear that he listens to the podcast, and he uses right. our hashtag. So he used the hashtag BNBSM like El Super does. We got a lot of people who do. A lot of people who do. Um, and uh, please just send that to us through a private message because we don't want to <laughs> blow up your spot, or send it through Hillary Clinton's email server. Yeah, and that because that, that's okay. Yeah, but that that'll probably be compromised. Right. Um, and that is actually how most people do it. So yeah, find a nice secure way to send us your name and address uh, that applies uh, specifically to if you have maintained internet anonymity to the uh, chagrin of many. Many bloggers on the interweb. Suge, take it away with this week's wild card. So we're here. We are at the end of an election, and there's a lot of people that are very emotional about this election. But I think the one thing that I have heard that has overarched everything else on social media uh, and talking to friends is that God, I can't wait till this election is over. Yeah, and that God, I hate the people that are Both running for them. president. Both of them. Uh, that. Either people that and, and you know what this has actually panned out because polls for whatever they're worth because clearly they were proven to be useless in Completely this election. Wrong. Um, but polls have shown and exit polls, exit polls, right? So there's nothing there's nothing wrong about exit polls because exit polls are actually serving the people Unless that people actually vote. Yeah, but uh, but they have said that roughly sixty percent of people that are voting for their candidate are not happy with the vote they're casting. Lars is one of the exceptions, right? Because Lars voted for his mom. Yep. So I feel great about who shape. I voted for. Um, I'm not the rest thrilled. of you, the rest I, of you, the jokes on you guys. I'm not thrilled about my vote for Hillary. Um, I was happy to vote for a woman, uh, but we're not going to get into that. But I did that four years ago when I voted for Jill Stein, but she proved herself to be an idiot right. this time around. <laughs> so, so. Uh, but we are. Uh, but the point is, is that this is really familiar territory for Bills fans, right? You have been forced to love people that didn't deserve your love. You have been forced to root for players that kind of sucked. Yeah. Or maybe really sucked. Or kind of jerks. Or were jerks. And maybe, so yeah, maybe that's the option is that maybe they were good players, but they were kind of jerks and you didn't like them, but you still had to root for them. Or maybe they were really great guys and you wanted to root for them, but they sucked as football players. Oh, I got a good one for that. You know, and so what I'm asking now is who is your Buffalo Bills political candidate of 2016? So in terms of players that we were forced to uh, root for, much like the American voter was, and don't get me started because nobody was forced to vote for anybody. That's why I wrote in my mother. Um, but it, it, with the way most people vote and think in this country, the two candidates that you were forced to vote for, just in the same way that we were forced to root for guys we don't like, this is a pretty long list. If we if we're going back, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm thinking Dante Whitner, I'm thinking Willis McGahee, J.P. Loss, J.P. Trent Edwards. I mean, Trent Edwards. Who's the guy from the Browns that one guy? Kelly Holcomb. Well, these these guys were just insufferable. You were rooting jerks. for Kelly Holcomb. Of course, I was. We all were. We were like, oh, he's no. I'm, I'm just I'm just naming players who were kind of jerks and like that I, I oh, did, that I didn't okay. like personally. That I thought like, oh, this guy's kind of an ass. And honestly, I would I'm kind of inclined to put Shady in that category. Like, I don't really like Shady. I mean, he had that weird females only party thing. So I kind of I like, hated him and loved him. Yeah, at the same he time. did. He kissed, I hated him and wanted an invite at the same he time. He kissed the eagle 
last year. I mean, I don't know how I feel about Shady McCoy. I obviously love Terrell Owens. I love what he does when the ball's in his hands, and you know, and that for me as a Bills fan kind of trumps all. Yeah, but Terrell Owens is up there, so that that is a weird and and that's kind of a hard list to admit to because. Uh, you know, much like the the woman who voted for Trump has said, like, he's about to win so we can finally come out and say we voted for this guy so we can't be it. I feel like you can't come out of the woodwork and say, like, I really don't like Shady McCoy because he's so good and everybody agrees he's great and he's the fuel of our offense. But you really can't get on a podcast and be like, yeah, but would you want his sister, your sister dating him? No, right. Right. No. So, so I, I, maybe I'll take the opposite. Well, no, well, I was oh, going to okay. I was going to take the oh, opposite and, ahead, and a guy ahead, that I wanted so badly to be a great player and a good guy for this team because he seemed like a wonderful guy and and I don't this it, I don't want this to turn into a race thing but he seemed like a, a genuine family man is upstanding dude <laughs> coaches <laughs> loved him but he was just always so bad you know that I'm going to say Chris Kelsey right oh no okay who did you think I was going to say I thought you were going to say Fitzpatrick Oh no 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 no! Fitzpatrick was the, the most lovable Bills fan that was at. No, uh, this is. But this, he kind of sucked. Not as bad as Chris Kelsey. No, no, that's Chris, true. Chris Kelsey in terms of like the likable to the actual good NFL player spectrum. I don't think it gets any wider than that. Yeah. Okay. That that that's that is fair, and I think that. And I, it's been it's been a couple years since we've ragged on Chris Kelsey on this podcast, so he's, he was due. I know. What is he doing now? He must own an auto dealership or something, Chris right? Kelsey went to Nebraska, which leads me to believe he was born on a farm or in some small town in somewhere in the Midwest. You think and he's bailing hay, isn't he? He has a ranch the size of the moon somewhere, and he's got lots of big Good expenses. For Chris Kelsey. He made millions of dollars. Don't weep for a second for Chris well, Kelsey. Well, see, this is the type of thing. Right? This is what we were talking about earlier. Like, you know, I'm not going to weep for Chris Kelsey, but... You weren't a good player? I'm happy for you. That's fine. You know what? You put in a good couple years and, and you he tried, tried your best. He tried hard. You know, and, you know, just enjoy the rest of your life. I don't wish traumatic brain injury upon you the way I wish it upon Richard Sherman, where even when you were playing, <laughs> you were just a complete asshole, yeah. you know, and you weren't. I guess he was a good team. He's a good teammate. I'll give Richard him that. Sherman? Yeah. Here's the thing about Richard Sherman. I would love it if he was on my team. Yeah, you know, He's we ca- haven't had anyone like that. You know, the the closest thing I can equate it to as a Chicagoan is Joe Kim Noah. And I used to always watch this guy play and be like, man, I hated him at Florida. Man, I'm glad he's on the team that I root for because he would be such a pain in the ass to be having to play against all the time. Yeah, but he wasn't – he w- he was arrogant. He would – Who are we talking about now? Joe, Joe Kim Noah. He, yeah. would, he would be uh, – you know, like cheering and, and, and kind of arrogant obnoxious. with his cheers, obnoxious with his cheers. But that's more like Gronkowski. That's like what we were talking about last week when we were talking about Gronkowski and the rest of the Pats, where there was just like, you're good and you're and you can't over-celebrating not be. Yeah. the beating of a team that is not as nearly as good as you. So that's one thing. But to be dirty is a different story. There's very few right. Patriots players that are dirty. Edelman, I would say, falls under all the, the aforementioned. Okay, well, fuck Edelman. But yeah. um, uh, <laughs> so the, you know, so I mean, I, I think that like that's that's the difference. That's the actually. But you know, I hope, I hope that it will cost Richard Sherman a first ballot Hall of Fame. I hope that that's the case. I think it will. Um, I hope that you know he continues to play dirty this way. The problem is that. 
Well, it's at also how he game, talks and how he game, conducts himself. It's, Stephon Gilmore still exchanged jerseys with him. Yeah. And so there's NFL players that still say, oh, he's he's the tits. He is like all there is, and he's the greatest. And especially someone like Stephon Gilmore, who earlier this year was complaining about the fact that he was undervalued because the other quarterbacks in the, in the NFL talked so much. Oh, so here you are validating this guy who just, you know. Runs his mouth. Runs his mouth, gets in the face of your coach, tries to injure your place kicker. You will never, ever win a game in yeah. the NFL without an NFL caliber place kicker. You know, and, 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 and what are you about? Yeah. How are, I mean, is there anything So are you giving it to more? Stephon Gilmore? No, no, no. So, I, well, let's get back. I'm just getting off on a rant. Yeah. Ask Stephon Gilmore, right? Because he's, he's, he's just... So, he's, Stephon Gilmore is the 2015 Mario Williams, right? Yes. Absolutely. Without a doubt. No question. Is this a Rex Ryan thing? Do we have do we have this to look forward to every year? There's, just one, there's one stinker that we're trying to weed out? Until they're all gone. Until it's just his players? Until they're all gone. Yep. I, I think I think You know it's going to be next year, right. don't you? I can see it from a mile away. Preston Brown. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, we'll see. Well, anyways. God, I don't want it to be that. But okay, so I guess you know. So getting back to the lighthearted wild card, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. what it's about. Donald to be. Trump being president, right? So uh, you know, we've we've. I'm going to go both sides of the coin. I'm going to say that the person who I'm going to talk about a couple of Bills players that actually make me feel happy. Actually, I'll start off with the bad people. I'm going to start with the people who I hate, and then I'll move to the people that make me happy. Um, but the people I hate. That I kind of wanted to root for while they were Bill, Aaron Mabin. Like I've never hated someone yeah. more than I hate Aaron Mabin. Yeah, Mabin. that's a good one. Even during training camp, when Eric Wood knocked him to the ground and said, "Haven't talked a lot about Eric Wood's broken know? leg, but yeah, yeah, look, that's because we're all in denial about well, it. Eric Wood's yeah, I know we are kind of. It hasn't come up because we don't really like, want it. It's a, the implications that could have for our running game is just it's obscene. not something we want. We're, we're equipped so, to address with. Um, not as these returns come in. Yes, Dante Whitner. Dante mm-hmm. Whitner definitely comes to mind. Even towards the end, Nate Clements. Nate Clements was not a nice guy. He really fell off though when he left Buffalo. His, well, yeah. His so best did all these guys. So did the guy who went to Minnesota. Uh, no, actually, no. He no, was awesome. Antoine Winfield. Yeah, he was awesome when he went. Never mind. He was awesome in Buffalo too. Um. So, so yeah, a lot of these guys fell off. Um. And that maybe that's why I don't like them because it, it validated my feeling about yeah. them. Um. But the people that I want to root for, like. That I was forced to love, even though they are just horrible, horrible football players. Uh, Kelly Holcomb, yeah. Um, JP Lossman. I feel like the kid tried. He really? was a good, yeah. Because you know, remember, he was do you remember when his, a, he you, was a mimbo. Remember when he had his introducing uh, press conference, and there was like some kid in the audience that was like kind of heckling. He was like, "Hey, buddy, you know, come. On, this is like kind of, this is kind of my spot. Like, you know, why are you giving me a hard time? Like, let's you know, kind of give him a human side to him and." And he was never good enough. He was never a jerk. Yes, he was. He was so much of a jerk that Troy Vincent, who later went on to become the NFL Players Association president, broke his leg in training camp because he wouldn't stop running his mouth as a rookie. Okay. Sorry. You, you, I don't I don't I don't mean to completely crap on your point, but JP Lossman was insufferable. But he wasn't I mean, publicly he wasn't a jerk. He wasn't a jerk in press conferences. You're he right. Wasn't You're like, you are right about he that. He said the right things. I, I, uh, my Tyrod favorite, Taylor. My favorite, my favorite. Tyrod mother effing Taylor. You are is, having trouble to... No, he is the ultimate person that you that want to root for. You want to root for. 
I mean, this is a guy that just is all heart. He tries. He is an ultimate team player. He jumps up and down when he's able to pull a defense off sides with his hard count. Like, why aren't you better? You look. Were you talking about Tyrod or EJ? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yes. No, I'm talking about EJ. Okay. okay let, let's cut this off. Let's cut this off. So so you're talking about EJ. So Tyra. Wow. Okay. Because it, it applies to EJ, so, too, because I want nothing more than EJ Manuel to be the quarterback EJ that he was, he was literally Manuel. built to be. Yeah. So EJ Manuel. E.J. Manuel, you are the top of my list of the quarterback <laughs> that I wanted to be so good. I saw you throw a pass. I saw you on that senior bowl. We all saw you on that senior bowl. We've where you seen were him just... throw some crazy good passes. Even as a Bill, he's thrown some great passes. Yeah, and you were said all the right things. You worked hard. You're that, not that bright, but you really were trying. We had that great footage of our receptionist giving you a big hug the day yeah, after drafting. Yeah, it was like it was it was storybook. Written you in the were stars. meant to be our franchise quarterback more so than Tyrod Taylor, who was this like guy who just showed up from this other place and just like you know he made it through and all that. But you were our savior. You were this guy, and you're so bad. You're worse than J.P. Lossman. You're worse than Kelly Holcomb. You're worse than. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm gonna whoa, go through. Whoa. Did okay. you watch that Jaguars game? Okay, it's it's one thing. It's like, he also so, brought us back in that game, and I, I'm not. Just did a, he though? Yes, mm, he did. Yeah, he kind of did. He did. I mean, <laughs> but that's the whole story, though. Like it is. that's the whole story. With EJ him. giveth, EJ taketh away. Oh, and he's always oh, on EJ. the wrong. Yeah. I'm. So, I don't care. I want you to be successful. I want you to have 17 car dealerships when you leave the Bills. I want you. You were a rock star, Bill. You just weren't. You weren't starting quality, but you were a rock star. Yep, and it, so, invest wisely because now that we have President Trump, you're going to need an investment portfolio that could be liquidated at a drop of a Or, dime. Or, what we discussed earlier, that this may be the pleasant surprise that Tyrod Taylor was for us. Maybe, maybe he'll maybe, be. Maybe Donald Trump is going to throw for 298 <laughs> yards in his first game in office. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's be positive. Let's focus on the fact that you know, hey, Donald Trump, brilliant, brilliant campaign. Yeah, there is I agree. nobody that can ever doubt that this was arguably one of the most brilliant campaigns that has ever been run. Uh, and, and, and if you disagree with that statement, that means you can't see the forest through the trees. That means you're too caught up in headlines and what the media is feeding you and actually yes. not being able to actually see what this man was doing to the American public and the American conversation and how he manipulated the whole thing from the start. And he's been doing it since 2013. Yeah. And it was it, and it was brilliant. So I just I, I, I'm, I'm very curious, frankly, because it's my country. I'm very curious to see <laughs> yeah. who it's where I live. Who the real Donald Trump is once <laughs> he's actually I pay my in taxes office. to. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyways, uh, it is it, it is what it is. Congratulations to everyone that voted for Donald Trump. It, 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 you know, hey, who knows what's going to happen, but that's what it's looking like. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we wish, I mean, it's, it's all our country. And I yep. think that's at the end of the day, uh, I saw something on Facebook that talked about the fact that, you know, doesn't matter who we elect, right? Because it's you that's plowing my driveway. Yep. It's me that's maybe saving your life yeah suge saved the life of know, last week right Good and on i'm you. pretty sure that was a trump voter but that's <laughs> neither here nor there um but it's it's uh you know it's it's you that's helping me out of a ditch when my car falls over you yep. know so we are one country 
from this moment on. We are one Bills nation, uh, and we are one country. And it doesn't matter who's president, because if the fucking Bills win the Super Bowl, we're yeah, all fucking all celebrating. Good. That's right. And it'll so be, on that note... And it'll be me recording your podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's important to remember that we are one country. We are... are all one uh one bills nation so let's just uh stick together let's get shady running we got the bye week let's make this happen we got it coming up so on behalf of uh we didn't mention her tonight except for uh alluding to her support for our soon-to-be president uh on behalf of the lovely miss cassie hutton on behalf of uh jam and jeff day down in austin texas and bill buffalo bill belcher's voicemail (laughs) And the president of the Bills backers, Sujit. I'm Lars. Find us on Facebook and on and on Twitter. Just search Bills and Beers and subscribe on iTunes and use that hashtag BNBSM. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Uh, until then, uh, enjoy a nice Billsless Sunday, and uh, we'll see you after the Cincinnati game. Go Bills! The Bills make me wanna. Shout